0: This is the Steelers standard on Steelers nation radio and podcast on Steelers.com Tom Offerman and Jacob Reck with you on another episode of the Steelers standard Uh, as much as it pains us to think about that Raiders game and there's a ton you can still unpack from it it is time to start turning the page and looking ahead at the bounce back opportunity at home against the Cincinnati Bengals before we Start to look at the Bengals at least, you know, from an aerial perspective. We'll really dive down deep on some episodes we do later this week. But the main key or the main theme, excuse me, with the Pittsburgh Steelers heading into this game is that injury bug, and out of nowhere, it really has started to bit this team. Uh, you see the groin injuries all across the defense, with uh, Joe Hayden being affected by it, Devin Bush being affected by it. T.J. Watt being affected by it. Now you see Alex Highsmith having the groin that was plaguing him in the preseason start to crop up again a little bit here this week. He landed on the injury report yesterday. Uh, Another notable guy who landed on the injury report yesterday, Ben Roethlisberger, a little pec injury that Mike Tomlin said would probably limit his ability to prepare this week. I don't think that they're expecting him to miss the game against the Bengals, but He's probably not going to practice much this week. You mm. don't really need it for a guy his age. But at the same time, it's going to be hard to make those adjustments to the offense that we think they need to make if number seven's very limited in what he can do out on there. If it's Mason Rudolph taking the first team snaps because of a an injured peck to Ben. So out of nowhere, man, that injury bug really cro- crept up on the Pittsburgh Steelers. We were talking about... What an advantage they have to a team like the Baltimore Ravens who just can't stay healthy, especially at their one position of running back. Uh, But now the Steelers find themselves in an uphill battle with injuries too. It's part of the game. You saw the Ravens adapt to it and get a huge win on Sunday Night Football against the Chiefs. Well, now the Steelers need to adapt to it and try to get a bounce-back win against the Bengals.
1: Yeah, I mean, you just said the Ravens were able to overcome injuries and beat probably the number one team in the NFL. The Bengals are, yeah, it's easier are for the nowhere Steelers. Nowhere near that, it's easier for the Steelers, it's yeah. much easier, but you don't feel nearly as confident as you should with the Steelers team, even if it's a depleted Steelers team. And In normal years, you would be saying to yourself, Okay, well, despite having this arm behind our back and this leg tied up to this leg or hop, hobbling on one leg. You could still say the Steelers are good enough to beat the Bengals.
0: It's kind of a mixed bag, too, because it's the Steelers that are disappointing us so far that are making us think that, but it's also the The Bengals Bengals that are are getting better. that That are getting better, but you're right. It's a much easier opponent for the Steelers to have to try to overcome their injuries to than the Ravens against the Chiefs last Sunday night. But that being said, you know, the Ravens got injured to one of their most important positions, the running back room. They love to run the football in baltimore that's no surprise and they did it still successfully with their back their new backups and lamar against the chiefs for the steelers these injuries come on the defensive side of the ball for the most part uh big three guys in bush hayden and uh watt all of them with groin injuries and all of them incredibly important contributors to this defense's success so Just like the Ravens losing one of their strengths, the Steelers lose uh, their strength on defense. That defense is now not as elite without those three guys in it, especially without T.J. Watt and, I'd say, Devin Bush in it. And Joe Hayden also, that trickle up at that defensive backfield was not good, and Minka had to do too much because of Hayden's absence. So that is a significant blow to that unit and I'm very interested to see what they do to bounce back against the Bengals. Again, we still don't know about the status of these guys as we record this podcast for Sunday. Uh, If I had to guess, though, I don't see T.J. Watt playing in this game. I know it's not a very serious injury, probably comes back for the Packers game in Week 4 in Lambeau, but you know, Charlie Batch on the postgame has said multiple times or he said multiple times on the postgame Sunday that if you don't finish the game or if you can't come back in the game that you got hurt in the first half of, there's a very good chance that you probably miss the next week's game as well. And mm-hmm. I think that probably speaks to true to TJ, maybe Devin Bush as well. I don't know. If if those three guys were healthy and playing, I say that there's a, uh, I'm very confident and there's really a slim chance that the Bengals beat the Steelers. If those three guys are absent from the defense, and of course Tyson Alu-Alu being absent as well with his ankle injury, I... I don't like the Steelers' chances very much against the Bengals' offense. That is, is pretty prolific, especially at the skill position spots.
1: Especially at the skill position spots. And with a new quarterback, I know he kind of struggled against the uh, Chicago Bears, but the Steelers are not doing what they typically do on defense, on and that's turning the ball over. Only one turnover in two games. This was only their, I believe, I, I think it was their sixth game this past week. Uh, since 2019, without a single turnover in those six games, on they've gone one and five. Oh man, it sh- it just shows you two things. It shows you how important it is to this team to get a turnover, but it also shows you how reliant. Well, it shows you how good this defense is at turning the ball over, but it also shows you how reliant. In the last two years, with a very unimpressive and I'll call it below average offense. When you get a turnover, that puts that offense in very short field position. And with an offense like this, you're going to take every advantage you can get. And you don't really see the the long 80 yard or 90 yard or even 70 yard drives out of this offense. Uh, You need to give them as, as much yardage advantage as you possibly can. And when they're starting on their own or on the opposition's 40 yard line or 35 yard line, that's going to pay very good dividends for this team and that's not something they were able to do in these first two weeks and you kind of saw that out of the offense as I said earlier only three touchdowns in two games that's not how you win games in the NFL anymore
0: well the Steelers went out to the open market to at least try to shore up the depth on the defensive line Uh, they signed Taco Charlton to the practice squad this week Taco was in T.J. Watt's draft class in 2017. He has 11 sacks in 44 NFL games. It's not a terrible addition, and that's not a, a guy that will be on the practice squad for long, I'd have to imagine. He will you know, get up to speed with the defense in the next coming weeks, and he'll probably become a pretty significant contributor on that defensive line if all things go according to plan. But as far as replacing Alu Alu and continuing to replace to it, heading into the Bengals week, it's all on Cam, more on Cam Hayward's plate now. Uh I, at the beginning of the season we mentioned how Cam and Tomlin spoke about cutting back Cam Hayward's snaps just to keep him fresher later in games later in the season. Well, that just has to go out the window in this game because the necessity bears 97 to be out on the field uh for the majority of the snaps. Guys like Bugs will have to step up and play a bigger role in Alu-Alo's absence. You hope Carlos Davis can get back to speed and play in this game against the Bengals. That They need all the bodies and help that they can get on that defensive front. I mean, we saw Isaiah Loudermilk play a couple of snaps against the Raiders, and they have a lot of high expectations for Loudermilk, and they have hopes that he'll be able to be a really good Solid defensive line contributor for years to come, but they, they did not want to see him on the field, especially in week two of his rookie season. That was more of a project you, guy.
1: I don't know if he wanted to see him at all in his rookie yeah. season on the defense. Let alone week two. Ball. Yeah, let, uh, as early as week two, I was. I would guess if you had to ask the coaching staff, it'd be as early as week 16, 17 <laughs> yeah, if like, not eighteen, like when. A, Possibly, there's nothing to play for, and yeah, it's just you're either started, in the playoffs yeah.
0: or you're not going to make it, and it's just kind of a throwaway game. That's when you'd see him, but nope, they needed him against the Raiders in a very important game in week two. And
1: and guess what, Tom? I, I'm not putting the blame on Isaiah. Lauer-Milk, oh, of course but, not. No, but it definitely helped the Raiders kind of get a get a groove going in the on on their offense once uh, he was out there on the field because it's easy to just say this guy can be picked on this guy's like a Robert Spillane where you know he's going to be the number one target uh for your for your offense to kind of pick on a defensive guy and I think Robert Spillane was that guy up until Loudermilk came onto the field
0: with injuries there's always this trickle up effect too where the guys have to get pulled from the depth chart up to starting spots and that really tests your depth and makes your depth and your starter weaker obviously Um, With T.J. Watt going down, the Steelers have to pull from that dynamic trio of pass rushers and make it just a duo with Ingram and Alex Highsmith. But now that Alex Highsmith has also popped up on the injury report and his status is questionable for Sunday, you're looking at what was Melvin Ingram, Alex Highsmith, and T.J. Watt week one against Buffalo absolutely dominating the Bills, and instead you're looking at Melvin Ingram and maybe Jameer Jones as your two feature pass rushers and look Jameer Jones had a hell of a preseason earned a spot on this team as an undrafted guy over drafted guys like Quincy Roche but you don't want him to be your feature pass rusher week three of the season without any real depth behind him it's just It's not looking good as far as the outside linebacker room right now because of these groin injuries. You really hope that at the very least Alex Highsmith can shake this one off and get out there for Sunday. You'd love it if T.J. Watt can shake his off and play Sunday, of course. But, man, is a lot on the plate of number 8 Melvin Ingram already, and this is a guy that we had said multiple times in training camp, the best thing for Melvin Ingram is to be the number three guy, to be the guy that comes in and, and is very flexible, and you can move him around on the defense, and kind of like a Swiss Army knife, like mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin loves. I mean, that's the way to use an aging guy like that, but now instead it's, alright, Melvin, you're our number one pass rusher this week against the Bengals, and maybe he can turn the clock back and, and give you one of those vintage Melvin Ingram performances, and maybe he can't, but we're going to definitely find out Sunday. Yeah, we clearly will, but From the
1: play that we've seen out of Melvin Ingram, he's got a sack so far. He's got a couple tackles for loss. He's definitely capable of being a starting guy, but that's not why you brought him in. You added him to be a a solid third uh, weapon for your outside linebackers. And as you said, Tom, Mm -hmm. he's not just going to get second reps. He is going to probably be the number one outside linebacker if this issue with Alex Highsmith continues to bother him and, and keeps him unavailable for this Sunday's game. I can't imagine. I I never thought it'd be possible sitting here as early as week three saying the Steelers are without TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, it has to be the Melvin Ingram show.
0: Now, obviously, all of these injuries on each level of the defense scares me. Uh, Steelers' biggest strength is rushing the passer, and that has been hindered with Watt going down, Highsmith being questionable, Alo Alo going down, to it continuing to be out. So, obviously, I have my trepidations there, but. I think the biggest fear, especially for this game, is in that secondary if Hayden can't play on Sunday. Uh, We saw what happened to Minka on the deep ball to Henry Ruggs. He took full blame for that when they spoke to him earlier this week. And I think it was Minka's fault, but I think it was also a product of Minka just felt like he needed to do too much because uh, there were lesser guys having to step into significant roles in that game because of Hayden's injury. And Minka just felt like, you know, I I have to pick up the slack that number 23 is leaving us because of his absence on the field. Uh, Cam Sutton played well. You never really heard from him. But other than that, you know, Minka was kind of running around, making up for a lot of guys' shortcomings, and it definitely cost them. And I worry especially about that in this game because, yeah, the Raiders had a pretty prolific passing attack. Dalen Waller obviously being the go-to guy, their tight end. But Henry Ruggs is a burner, and Renfro can be a pretty solid possession receiver, and I think Brian Edwards is emerging as a pretty good target for Derek Carr as well. But this trio in Cincinnati is much better than what you saw against the Raiders. Obviously, they don't have a Waller in Cincinnati, so that guy's probably— Waller wasn't even that big of an issue except
1: for one 25-yard
0: reception. And I think the Raiders did a good job there of seeing the Steelers keying on him and spreading that ball around to a lot of different targets instead of just trying to force it into Waller. So you got to give your credit to them. But like I was saying, I think you put all Cincinnati skill position players and all the Raiders' skill position players in a bucket, and I think Waller's the first one you pull out But I think the next three are Cincinnati players. I think it goes Chase, Higgins, and Boyd right after that. Yeah, take your pick. Right. So Chase is that number one wide receiver, and he's playing like a number one wide receiver so far. He's averaging 22.1 yards per catch after just two games in the NFL. He's had two touchdowns, one in each of his first two games. You saw the LSU connection with him. Uh, and Burrow when they won the national championship the Bengals are trying to channel that by picking Jamar Chase top five in this year's draft and so far it's working out really well for them T Higgins is like that Henry Ruggs kind of guy he's that burner he can speed you down the field in the last eight games playing with Joe Burrow T Higgins has recorded at least 60 receiving yards or he's gotten into the end zone so in those eight games whether it's putting six on the board or moving the ball down the field T Higgins has made his impact felt and then I think you could say maybe it won't be this way as the season progresses because I think that Jamar Chase connection is going to become better and better and better. But as of right now, Burrow's favorite target seems to be Tyler Boyd. He averaged 6.9 receptions per game with Burrow as his quarterback last year. And so far in 2021, he's averaging five catch per game. He has 10 catches so far. So. Joe Burrow likes to use all three of these guys. The Bengals go in 11 personnel more than most teams in the NFL. Why wouldn't you when you have that trio of wide receivers that you can put on the field? So the Steelers had trouble with the Raiders receiving core and playmakers in the passing game last Sunday. Their hands are even fuller this week with, I think, a better receiving core in the Bengals.
1: I think they are too, and with a... I don't want to say Joe Burrow is better than Derek Carr, because right now that's not true. But
0: but he definitely has that potential.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, he was the number one overall draft pick. I mean, before Trevor Lawrence came in, everyone was saying, well, look how it's Burrow. Yeah. Joe Burrow is going to be the next great quarterback, next great young quarterback in this league. That only lasted a year, and I think a lot of that had to do with his season-ending injury. But now he's back, and as you said, Tom, he— he he out-dueled her cousins and company with Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson in Minnesota He almost went on the road against a, a pretty stout uh, Chicago Bears defense Granted Joe Burrow had a pretty bad day three interceptions one of which was returned for a pick six So not his best outing for certain But he's still capable of moving the ball down the field and he doesn't even have to be perfect because he has the guys kind of remind you of Ben Roethlisberger in the Pittsburgh offense three legitimate uh, receiving options, and you have a really good running back in Joe Mixon, and they brought back their running game coordinator, who the last time he was with the Bengals, it was when Joe Mixon led the league in rushing yards. So you pair all those factors together. This offense, really, Joe Burrow doesn't have to do much. He kind of just has to, and again, I think this word gets a little bit of a negative connotation for no reason whatsoever, just manage the game, and, and you could be okay considering how good your offense can be and how depleted this Pittsburgh
0: secondary is and something that's very conducive to managing football games is a not turning the ball over Mm -hmm. and b having a really solid running game that you can lean on Steelers trying to get that going here but the Bengals have that Joe Mixon's number two in the NFL this year with 196 yards on the ground through two weeks Uh, King Henry the only guy over 200 yards in the NFL and at number one, 181 of those yards came against the Seattle Seahawks <laughs> beast, in week two. Man. Think about that. He had 15 15 less yards than Joe Mixon in one game. He had 15 less yards than Joe Mixon has had in two games in one, and Joe Mixon is number two in the league. Bengals quit on running the football last week for some reason. Uh, 53% of their offensive snaps were runs in week one against the Vikings. They ran the ball 60% of the time on first down in that game. Week two against the Bears, they only ran the ball 37% of the time. They were down early in that game, but it was always a one- or ten-point game in that one. It wasn't like they were down astronomically ever. They could have continued to run the football. Hopefully they abandoned the run this week against the Steelers, but I have a hard time believing that's going to be the case. (laughs) It's going to be Joe Mixon. He uh, played 78% of the snaps in the opener, and last week against the Bears he was the only running back that carried the football for Cincinnati. So they love Joe Mixon. He's their bell cow back. The numbers show you why he should be, and like you said, f- to help Joe Burrow, that's one of the big things that they can do to help him manage that game is, is have a very strong running attack.
1: Yeah, and I I kind of expect them to do that, especially with
0: no Tyson
1: Aluoglu, no Stephon it. I know we were, er, we were talking about the running game or the run defense earlier, but with the, the mention of Joe Mixon, you have to include those defensive injuries up front for the Steelers. Two of your defensive linemen are out. Possibly two of your edge rushers are going to be out, and by doing so, that means you have to bring in a guy like Robert Spillane, who's a, a better run defender than he is a pass defender. But when he's out there for when he's out there to start the game, you're going to have to ask him to do some pass defending. And who do you want him on? You want him on T. Higgins? You want him on Tyler Boyd? You want him on? Uh, you want him on uh, Jamar Chase? because I don't want him on on any of those. So it just kind of – every little piece that has unfolded for the Steelers kind of leads to another piece unfolding in the negative, which is very frustrating when you're going up a Cincinnati Bengals' team who up until last year's second matchup against them, you had them completely figured out.
0: Yeah, it's it's not good. The other thing that I said, uh, big for – You know game management is not turning that football over Joe Burrow hasn't done that in his career for the most part he had only five interceptions in just his first 11 games in the NFL uh, and he went four games in a row almost two over 220 passing attempts without throwing an interception. Until last week against the Bears, he threw interceptions on three straight pass attempts. One of them was taken, I don't think I
1: knew that, that they were three straight. One
0: of them was taken to the house by Roquan yeah. Smith. It was the play of the game, the play that swung that game into the Bears' favor and ultimately ended up giving the Bears their first win of the season. But uh, I was talking to Matt Williamson last night for our Advanced Scout podcast, and he said, I don't expect that to be a trend that continues with Burrow. He thinks that was the outlier against the Bears. What you're going to see from Burrow moving forward in his NFL career is kind of what you saw in those first 11 games. This is a very good guy at protecting that football, not throwing interceptions, conservative, but not to the point where he doesn't make plays, but he just picks and chooses the windows that he makes his plays in, and he's not going to put the ball in danger very often. So... Three straight uh, attempts being picked off by the Bears is something that Steelers fans can look at and say, man, I hope we get our first interception of the season against this guy. But you might want to pump the brakes on that because he's very good at protecting that football. Those three straight might have been just an anomaly and not something that you can look to exploit moving forward.
1: Yeah, good for the Chicago Bears to take advantage of that. And like I said earlier, that's something that Pittsburgh Steelers have not been able to do all year long. All year long. It's only been two games, granted, but it's something that they were prolific at the last two years in 2019 and 2020 and now they're really se- taking a step back only one turnover caused by none other than JJ Watt, JJ Watt, TJ Watt. With no TJ Watt out there, are you really going to have a chance to turn the ball over this, this this week against Joe Burrow who people claim are going to is someone who is very capable of learning from his mistakes and considering how Big of a mistake he made three times last week. I don't know if you can expect him to make
0: that same mistake even once this week. I don't think you can either. Uh maybe once is what you can hope for, is just one interception from him. But Steelers defense, yeah, TJ Watt had the strip sack and or Cam Hayward recovered it against Allen. That was their only turnover so far this year, week one. TJ Watt had another strip sack against the Raiders that they were able to uh the Raiders were able to fall on and retain possession. Uh, But other than T.J. Watt, there hasn't been much turnovers for the Pittsburgh Steelers. In fact, he's the only one who caused one and then tried to create another one. Mm -hmm. Uh, The interceptions haven't been there. Something that they've done extremely well in the past couple seasons is pick off quarterbacks. But Allen and Carr were able to escape their first two games unscathed. And now Joe Burrow comes in. And like we said, he's pretty conservative and pretty good at not turning that football over. Uh, And like you mentioned, I mean... How do you get guys that are good at not turning the ball over to throw a bad pass and throw an interception? It's getting that pressure in their face and making them feel that heat in their kitchen and forcing them to get the ball out of there in a window that they normally wouldn't, but they just they make a bad decision in the face of pressure. And you have to just wonder if, if it's really just Melvin Ingram and Cam Hayward as your two uh, prolific pass rushers. Are you going to be able to get in Burrow's kitchen enough to make him feel pressure to throw a bad pass? I don't. I don't think you will. I think he's he's pretty calm and cool anyway. But I think he can be like Derek Carr was in week two and kind of sit back there and pick you apart and have at least three seconds in the pocket to himself.
1: Yeah, Tom. I completely agree. I think this guy is going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the league and. Even from a young age, you're not going to see him make that same mistake in consecutive weeks. I can't say twice because he made that mistake three times last week. However, it's not going to be something where you kind of see him get into his head where he throws those interceptions and he just continues to do so. He kind of overthinks things a little bit, and I just think when you combine that with the fact that the Steelers are not doing what they're known to be, what they're known for these past couple of years, and turning the ball over especially without your main contributor on defense, TJ Watt, not possibly being out there, it,
0: it, it could lead for a very easy day for Joe Burrow. One thing we've talked about before with ACL injuries and trying to overcome a brutal injury like that is the mental aspect of things. And Joe Burrow clearly is ready physically, but mentally he still might not be all there. And I think one stat that bears that out is Joe Burrow's rookie year, he averaged 14.2 rushing yards per game. That's nothing to write home about. That's not Josh Allen. That's not Lamar Jackson. But what it is is it's an athletic quarterback that will take the middle of the field for five, six yards and slide if the defense gives it to him. And 14.2 yards on average per game, that's probably going to work out into at least one or two first downs picked up by burrow's legs well he's only attempted one rush in two games this year and that only went for two yards total so he's clearly trying to work himself away from exposing that knee from running downfield too often Um, maybe that's a little bit of the coaching staff as well getting into his head and saying hey you know what, why don't you stick in the pocket a little bit more this year? Let's throw the football away instead of trying to scramble for a a couple extra yardage. But I think that's one stat that illustrates, and I know, again, it's a small sample size, but I still think that bears out, you know, either his tentativeness to to run the ball and and test that knee or the coaching staff kind of being in his ear saying, like, "Uh, listen, in the future when you're fully mentally back and that thing has had two years Mm -hmm. to heal – Hell yeah, take off, run, pick up those yards. We like that you're athletic, and we like you, that you can make those kind of plays. But for right now, let's just calm down and throw the ball away. Let's let's get through this year unscathed, Joey. I think, I mean,
1: I don't know. I'm blanking on the offensive coordinator's name for uh, the Bengals and their quarterback coach, but Zach Taylor right now. Head coach Zach Taylor, yeah. Zach Taylor right now does not seem to be doing as poorly as he did his first couple of seasons with Joe Burrow. You and I have said, and and others uh, throughout Steelers Nation Radio have all said, Zach Taylor just isn't it. you got to get someone new in there. But right now, Zach Taylor is having his best season as head coach. It's only been two games. I get that. But if the Bengals can go on the road into Pittsburgh and beat... The Pittsburgh Steelers with not even a gutsy play call but with conservative a conservative playbook just not not make those mistakes as you said just if you feel pressure just throw that ball away there's there's no harm in that if you don't get an intentional grounding then I think that could be enough to beat this extremely depleted Steelers defense.
0: That'll do it for this episode of the Steeler Standard. Thanks as always for giving us a listen. You can check out all of our fine work at Steelers.com. Just find Steelers Standard and all of a uh, all of our amazing content lives right there. Uh, if you have Apple, Spotify for your podcast, you can also search Steelers Standard there. You can download and subscribe. We always greatly appreciate that. We've got twelve podcasts. I, it's on, insane. On, on and on the, the Steelers Steelers, on the Steelers Radio Steelers network. network, podcast network. It's it's insane. There's so much content for you. You, you absolutely you can't go dry.
1: You can't, you can't tell us that you're not getting enough information with 12 different and podcasts. And you can't tell us it. that
0: we're not working our butts off in here for you guys. So, But seriously, <laughs> thanks as always for giving us a listen. We love it. Uh, for Jacob Recht, I am Tom Opperman. We'll talk to you guys next time on the next edition of the Steelers Standard.